And welcome, everybody, to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. And we begin with a couple of stories that uh, one is, I think, a little disturbing. It's a local story regarding a, a local uh, news anchor who uh, obviously was under the influence during a broadcast, and she was not ready for prime time, uh, frankly. And my wife and I, were we asked the same question. I've never worked in TV. Uh, I worked in radio for many years and still do on and off. Where was her producer? I'm speaking of Heather Kobar from Channel 6. And we watch Heather Kobar every weekend. My wife does, <clears throat> enjoys watching her newscasts. And she, uh, she's, I guess, had some, her father passed away. And, she, you know, we all go through crises in our lives, things that we have to deal with. And she wasn't at her best. She wasn't ready to be on the air, obviously. She shouldn't have been on the air. She may have been pulling a double shift. She was doing an afternoon shift. And normally she works Saturday and Sunday morning, early mornings on the weekends. And she was doing a, a, an afternoon shift on, I think it was a Saturday. And uh, I, I watched it, about five or six minutes of it, all I could take. And it was, it was sad. It's a national story. Her video, it's 18 or 19 minutes. Uh, a central New York radio station aired the, uh, most of it. And it's gone viral. The Sun picked it up. The New York Post picked it up. I think the Daily Mail picked it up. So it's kind of unfortunate that she would get name recognition in that manner. I mean, you have to cut people some slack. But where was her producer? Shouldn't her producer have said, called management or called somebody, news director, and say, hey, look, Heather's not ready to be on the air. I don't know what the problem is. She shouldn't be here this morning. And have somebody come on and relieve her. But the poor, the poor girl, I, I feel for her, really. There's two ways of looking at it. Maybe Channel 6 will, will figure it'll get some juice from the story and more people will tune in, especially if Heather's on there. If she does come back, she's suspended, by the way. I, I don't know for how long, but if and when she does come back, she's going to have to make a statement uh, to her viewers. And uh, anyway, Heather Kobar from Channel 6, we, we wish her the best. I think she does a, a fine job. It's, I think, 5A to, to 9A or whatever it is. I worked that shift. I worked it in radio. And it's uh, it's difficult. All right, a couple of things here. Jill Biden. Jill Biden is getting uh, some some heat, and justifiably so. You know, the Democrats say they, they put all this mess out there, this woke nonsense, this political correctness, and that's what's going on here in America. You can't say anything. You can't do anything. You may offend this group or that group or females or homosexuals or LGBTQ, which I view them as homosexuals. You know, you're gonna you're gonna offend somebody. I mean, somebody will always be offended by something you said, maybe the way in which you said it, your tone. I mean, tough. You don't have a right not to be offended. They want everybody to be on their on, on eggshells, basically. Be careful what you say. Be care- You might offend someone. There's a story there, too. I'll, I'll pick up on that on that theme after I tell you about Jill Biden. In case you haven't hit it, uh, heard about it, Jill, First Lady Jill Biden, uh, alleged first lady, uh, is facing a rebuke from Republicans after comparing the diversity of the Hispanic community to San Antonio's unique selection of breakfast tacos. Now, I'm looking at a piece here in Newsmax, and I, you know, I saw the, the clip. I don't see what's so offensive about it, frankly. I hate to take Jill Biden's side. So anyway, the first lady is uh, getting a little bit of her own medicine or her party's medicine as it were. So she made this comment in the Republicans say, look, she's here's the first lady as tone deaf as can be. 
comparing the Hispanic community to the uh, unique selection of breakfast tacos, which is, I don't think is what she, what she did. It's really a non-story. You know, but Republicans, this is what I can't, I can't stand this about politics. And both parties, both sides do it. You know, you can't say anything. The other side's right on your case and it becomes viral. You're, it's on social media and the news uh, stations, they go with it. It's, you get, a, you know, two days worth of news coverage. It, it shouldn't get more than two minutes. And right after the uh, her speech, the Arizona, one of the Arizona Republican uh, congressmen, Andy Biggs, commented, no wonder Hispanics are fleeing the Democratic Party. And it that's true. That much is true. And we'll get to that in a second. Christina Pushaw is Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' press secretary. She also tweeted, imagine the regime media meltdown if a conservative called Hispanics breakfast tacos like Dr. Jill Biden did at that luncheon. Demo cringe. And that, that much is true. If a Republican had said what Jill Biden had said, I think what she said was you know, harmless, but that's me. But if a Republican had said it, if Ted Cruz had said it, or or DeSantis or Rand Paul, anybody, they'd be crucified in the media. Speaking of Ted Cruz, his special advisor for communications, Steve Guest, said this isn't Veep, which which White House speechwriter just won a bet for getting the First Lady to say something like this. This isn't Veep? I don't know what that means. But anyway, the First Lady's comments came after Reports of Democrats struggling to garner support from Latinos or Latin voters. Now, what what are they saying today? Latinx? Latinos. Hispanics is what I say. Is that wrong now? Is that politically incorrect if you say Hispanics? I hope so. Uh, Back in April, Quinnipiac University published a poll finding only 26% of Hispanic voters surveyed approved of President Biden's job performance, the lowest approval rating of any demographic group. I'm sure the blacks hold him in higher esteem, although I don't know, I don't know how, much, how much higher. <clears throat> I don't see how they could. But he's losing support among all Americans because he is, at this point in his life, and I think even in his prime he was ill-equipped, he's, he has nothing left. You know what I'm saying? He's just, it's really beyond the point of being funny, watching him start a sentence and then lose his train of thought in mid-sentence. If he makes it to mid-sentence, it's sad. It's elder abuse. All kinds of talk about Gavin Newsom being drafted, the governor of California drafted for 2024, that Biden will not finish out his... I I heard Bill O'Reilly say yesterday, he thinks maybe in 2023, Biden is going to make an announcement that he can't continue based on health reasons. That would be disastrous because that would mean Kamala Harris would step in. So who's going to pick up the mantle when Biden steps down? I, I, I'm a, in that camp. I agree with O'Reilly. I don't know if it's going to happen next year, next week. It could be. Certainly, he's not going to run for a second term. So who's going to run? Piece by Jack Cashel, uh, investigative reporter. He's a phenomenal investigative journalist, one of the few remaining we have, writes for World Net Daily. And uh, he's written so many fine books. I got a couple of his books on my, on my uh, bookcase here at, at home, and I had a chance to interview him. Oh, maybe seven, eight years ago after one of his more recent books. But anyway, Jack Cashel wrote a piece for World Net Daily. He thinks that it's going to be um, Michelle Obama running in 2024. We don't hear a lot about Michelle these days. And he said that's by design. You have Hillary still in the mix. Why, I'll never figure out. Gavin Newsom, as I mentioned, Amy Klobuchar. 
uh, from Minnesota. She's, you know, they're all jousting for for position to be the 2024 presidential candidate. And uh, but I think Michelle Obama, some people say she would be the most formidable. I'm not sure that's the case. And I don't know how much power. I think Obama, President Obama, uh, wields probably the most power in the party. I think he's the top Democrat in the country. Clearly, it's his party. But somebody pointed, I think it was um, Dick Morris had written a piece about how Bill Clinton, oh no, maybe it was Bill O'Reilly. And he made a good point. As far as fundraising, Clinton still carries a lot of weight among moderate Democrats. He can still raise a lot of money for moderates, and there aren't too many moderate Democrats in the party. So I would say that's clear that that's another reason I think Obama controls the party, because there are very few moderates in the Democratic Party. But they're the main powers. So, and I'll just read you the piece here from um, from Cashel. Uh, he quotes uh, Los Angeles filmmaker Joel Gilbert, producer of the this new documentary and con- uh, complimentary book, Michelle Obama, 2024, Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power. So Gilbert quotes Barack as saying a few years back, Michelle would never go into politics, fortunately for me. But as Gilbert sees things, stealth is really at the heart of Michelle's long-term strategy. Joel believes that Barack and his co-conspirators have been grooming Michelle to run for president since 2016. And as a first step, the Obamas signed a $65 million offer to write their respective memoirs as soon as they left the White House. And there's a pattern. Barack launched his political career with a memoir, Dreams from My Father. But unlike Dreams, according to Cashel, Michelle's becoming was a smash right out of the gate, selling more than 10 million copies. It's already found its way to, to uh, Netflix as a film. So she could be on her way, which is a scary thought indeed. Another Obama in the White House, because Michelle would be at least as bad as Obama, as as Barack. I mean, he's angry enough like any liberal, but she is an angry woman. She would be, a that would be a frightening prospect. I'd rather see Hillary in there than Michelle, frankly. That's how much I fear Michelle Obama, because they hate America. The Obamas despise America. They view her as one country out of 190. You remember that piece, the clip from with Michelle and Barack when I forget what the, what the situation was or what, what the event was, but they were playing the national anthem and the flag was hoisted and she leaned over to Barack and said, all this, imagine all this for a flag. That's what she, she mouthed the words. Gilbert's slogan speaks for the vulnerability of Michelle's candidacy. Only the truth can stop her. And the truth is not Michelle Obama's best friend, according to Cashel. I love it. And Gilbert makes a case in his documentary that She's been pretending to be something she is not since she first emerged on the national scene as her husband's helpmate back in 04. And I agree totally with that. But the, both Obamas, they are not who they pretend to be. They're not nice people. They're not good people. They're not patriotic people, in my view. They have an agenda. It's about getting power and keeping power. So Gilbert, this Gilbert, again, the documentarian points out that Michelle has been running from the black community her whole life. And when not running from it, exploiting it. Now, I think she's I think both the Obamas are racist, in, in, in my opinion. She has said some racially charged things, as has Barack. 
I think Michelle is uh, opportunistic. She's very intelligent. I know she's a horrible writer. I saw a sample of her writing from, I think she went to Princeton, either Princeton or Yale. It was an Ivy League school. And I forget she was what the, uh, it was had to be a writing course she was in. I forget what year of college. I want to say she was a junior, I think at Princeton or Yale. And I, I saw a copy of her, some of her writing. It's just, it's, it's God awful. It was a National Review. They, they reprinted part of her thesis from some paper she had written. And it was just, I mean, you couldn't, you'd have to try to write that badly, that poorly. And here she is in, in an Ivy League school. How did she get there? Is, was it an affirmative action deal? I'd like to see her grades in high school. How did she wind up in an Ivy League school? I'll have to track down that, that piece in National Review. I'm sure I could Google it and find the, uh, and find the, the, uh, the reprint of her, some of her writing. But it was just, oh, my gosh. It was embarrassing. But, you know, Obama won the presidency based on how he was going to heal the nation. He was the first post racial president. And uh, he, did, he did anything but. He didn't heal the nation. He drove the wedge further. Blacks and whites are further apart today, I think in some quarters, than they've ever been. And that's due, in my opinion, to Barack Obama. He failed at uniting the nation. Joe Biden ran on the same, on the same platform. He was going to heal the nation. He was a moderate. He was going to bring all sides together. But has that happened? Anything, the exact opposite has happened. So, you know, in another act of senseless crime to hit New York City, there's a video of this on World Net Daily. Three women, three black women, maybe one was Hispanic, trashing this French fry restaurant over a minor dispute of the price of some extra sauce. They get charged a little bit extra, and they went nuts. You can go to World Net Daily and see the video. It's captured by uh, the chef. And he, I guess he made, he got attacked as well. These three women jumped on the counter, got on the, all wearing dresses, got on the counter. They destroyed the uh, plexiglass barrier. I mean, they destroyed restaurant property, jumping onto the counter, throwing food at the at the clerks and at the chef. It's unbelievable. They got charged extra sauce for the fries. So they got wanted some extra sauce and got charged for it. Anyway, the restaurant owner. Annalise Schlossberg told the New York Post the damages came to about $25,000. These women are still on the loose, and crime in New York City is up 31% from where it was a year ago. That's part of the reason. Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York City, says he's going to crack down on crime. He's not going to crack down on crime, especially if the crime is committed by somebody of color. If a white Trump supporter went in and did that, then they'd crack down on him. You can bet on it. Unbelievable. All right. We, we've got to run. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. If you uh, like what you heard, or even if you didn't like what you heard, we hope you liked it. But I mean, hit like, hit subscribe, please. I need subscribers. And uh, leave us a comment in the comment section and share on social media. The uh, The show is the Pac-Man podcast, where we air at least once a week, sometimes twice. And we're on the BMG Network, and we have some fine shows up there on the dish for you. We have this program, which airs Wednesdays. Uh, my daughter's show, which airs normally on Friday, I think, called The Essentials with Maddie Flint. The Ken Burns Show, and on Tuesday, it's the Adrian Ross Program. And we're working on getting some other shows up there, too. When we have columns, you can uh, read, and uh, uh, that's called The Pack Perspective. We do those at least uh, once a week. We try to anyway, and it's tough in the summertime. People are being pulled into 85 different directions, myself included. 
Uh, it's been a very, very busy summer thus far. We hope your summer is going well and uh, continues to go well. Thank you very much for tuning us in. Again, if you want to check us out, it's the bmgnetwork.com. If you want to contact me directly, Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. And when you go to the website, i got to give a shout-out to uh, Malaysia, the guy who's responsible for the website, the content we put up there. And he, it, It's a good-looking website. It, it grabs your attention. And he's got a gift. I mean, he's very talented. Uh, thank you, Malaysia, for all the, the hard work you do. And thank you out there for listening. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.